0: How many turkeys have we got down here? God love you. Nine and a half million turkeys. i tell you what, that's like some of the countries I've been to. Anyway, you want to talk?
1: Really, it's something else. All right, all right, all right. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It is the day before Turkey Day, Wednesday, November 23rd, 2022. And that was the elderly man pretending to be president doing his little turkey pardoning. And I think his nine and a half million turkey joke was either racist or was just the general state of mind melting confusion that he usually is in. Uh, and then of course he wanders off there at the end as always we are live streaming on rumble youtube and blaze tv subscribe if you have not yet and uh, although this appears to be live right now at 11 o'clock as always uh we are pre-taping this because i let my guys go home for turkey day and i would assume that at the moment i am deep my hand is deep in a turkey people right at this very second. Uh, I just want to catch up on a little bit of the stuff that went on over the last couple of days. We didn't get too far into this Nancy Pelosi uh, vacating her uh, post as uh, head of the Democrats in the House. Uh, So we're gonna hit that and then I wanna talk about something with Don Lemon for just a second, then Ruben Report Community Q&A, trying to keep it light before the holidays. And there we go. So first let's just start with Don uh, because Don, remember, Don, who nobody was watching was exposed to be a nonsensical partisan hack over and over and over again, as Tucker Carlson calls him Don Lamon. Uh, he was very upset that no Jeopardy contestants knew Katanji Brown Jackson's name. Ketanji Brown Jackson, of course, is the new Supreme Court uh, justice. She is the one who uh, could not define what a woman is, but uh, on Jeopardy, nobody knew who she was.
0: The clue that raised eyebrows, it was the moment that followed, this moment.
1: She's the first black woman on the Supreme Court and the first justice to have been a federal public defender. That's Justice Jackson, Katanji Brown Jackson. <laughs> I don't and think that's that surprising, I will just, say. A was, lot of people I are smart know on the people, Supreme though. Court. These are, when you go on Jeopardy... When you go on Jeopardy, I...
0: I, I she look, was if you just were, confirmed. Okay, but right. listen, if you're standing outside, I think Caitlin's right. If you're standing outside of a mall or whatever, and people may not know. When they do the Man on the Street yeah, thing, yeah. yes. But when you're s- smart enough to be a contestant on Jeopardy,
1: you got to know about current
0: events to be on yeah. Jeopardy. Maybe not any and, h- and, h- and history making ones. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. All right. all right. Well, you know, every now and again, one is going to get by even a great contestant on Jeopardy, you were just waiting. I know what you were thinking that entire time. He's about to call them all racist. That's what I kept thinking too. He actually did not call them racist, but he just can't believe it. That actually, and maybe it would explain the election results. A lot of people just don't care about a lot of this stuff, even the wizards who are contestants on Jeopardy. Uh, But of course, the other big thing in the last couple of days that we did not give it enough attention here because we were traveling and it's been a little nutty, Nancy Pelosi, alcoholic Nancy Pelosi with her crazy eyebrows and her dentures that are falling out and her husband, who maybe was having a gay affair with a homeless guy, something like that. uh, She announced she's stepping down. And with great confidence in our caucus, I will not seek reelection to Democratic leadership in the next Congress. For me, the hours come for a new generation to
0: lead the Democratic caucus that I so deeply respect and i'm grateful that so many are ready and willing to shoulder this awesome responsibility
1: it's been super interesting seeing the reaction to this thing obviously anyone on the right you know people have just had it with pelosi and you know that moment i think her worst moment there there's a lot of bad moments and a lot of you know calling half the country racist and all that stuff uh, but when Trump was giving the State of the Union a couple of years ago, and then immediately after, she just tore up the speech. And, you know, these are the people that are constantly telling us about civility and decency and the rest of it. Uh, there was obviously much more that happened during that speech, that moment that I always talk about when Trump's talking about all time lowest black and Latino unemployment, and the Congressional Black Caucus sits there like this. And, you know, several House members, I think, including AOC, didn't even show up to that speech. So I think Pelosi. Uh, You know, even though I'm going to show you a clip in just a sec, the media is still fawning all over her for what she accomplished or I guess purported to accomplish, whether we like it or not. Um, You know, I think she'll mostly be remembered for being hyper partisan and once again, just delivering more power to the government and less power to you. Here's Mika Brzezinski on the televised mental institution known as MSNBC on uh, how we should just honor that great woman, Nancy Pelosi.
0: No, it's the end of an era and an incredible one. And um, I mean, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, it's sort of hard not to be in awe of what she has accomplished, unless you're in a cult. Uh, Coming up,
1: uh, we'll get much more reaction. I mean, I just don't know. What did she accomplish? Like, she accomplished getting rid of Trump. She accomplished impeaching Trump, wasting a ton of time with the January 6th hearings. Uh, getting us into a recession, you know, voting endlessly for more and more money to Ukraine, like trying to give the devil his due here. What did she really, really accomplish? I'm not sure. I mean, I guess they got their Inflation Reduction Act passed, Um, didn't reduce inflation, but like, you know, I guess she got more diversity and equity probably into the system of the federal government, but... Nah, and she's telling us we're in a cult. Okay, but the important thing is now that old white woman Nancy Pelosi's going down, at least on the bench, what do they have? What's the most important thing? Is it qualifications? Is it competency? Is it your ability to do good work and that you have the right ideas in your head and you're gonna put forth things that are gonna free people? Or is it just skin color?
0: The reason people dislike on the on the right Nancy Pelosi is because she outlasted them. She's effective. Is because she was she effective. Gets stuff She's
1: effective. She's effective. Listen, and take a look at the people that look like they're going to be the next caucus
0: leaders for the Democrats. Can we pull them up? Guess what you see there? You see diversity. You see youth. You see a woman.
1: You see. I mean, it's just you know, it's it's a it's a wonderful <coughs> thing to see, and it's something that we can't yes. ever take for granted because. Just a little over 100 years ago, women couldn't vote. Yeah. And now this woman showed us that she could lead. <laughs> you see diversity. You see youth. First of all, no one there looked that young. The woman in the middle certainly didn't young. Uh, you see a woman. All right, congratulations. We just had a woman. Again, it is has nothing. Nobody cares. What everyone wants right now are just competent leaders. I get it that she's a progressive and she's just gonna go down with the ship of equity and faux diversity, but how about diversity of thought? Wouldn't that be nice if you had a Democrat in there who wasn't a complete brainwash leftist? Wouldn't that be something? But here we have, I don't I couldn't even tell what was going on there. One of the guys was black maybe, he was sort of black, and then you had a guy that maybe was kind of Latino and a, wom- a woman who, with gray hair who I guess was young. I don't know what's going on here. God, these people are bananas. Let's get to the Rubin Report. Community Q&A, uh, Nathan says, what is your favorite food of the Thanksgiving feast? Well, Thanksgiving is the one holiday that we host. We host all of David's family and uh, we, they are a whole bunch of great chefs and David's a great chef and I, I've gotten pretty good myself if I do say so. Uh, I will be smoking the turkey and the big green eggs. So there will definitely be some pictures posted in the, in the locals' community of that. Uh, my favorite food, David makes an incredible Uh, What is it? It's a uh, a squash soup, a a chipotle pepper squash soup, which is really, really excellent. But like, if you get a good piece of smoked turkey, I smoked the turkey last year. You get a good piece of smoked turkey, right amount of cranberry sauce, just the right amount of gravy. You get some good mashed potatoes on there, some stuffing. It's good. It's real good. Tony says, Now that Bob Chapik is out at Disney and Bob Iger is back in. They replaced Bob for Bob. Do you think Donald Duck will get his job back or is he still wandering the streets of Orlando? In case you're wondering what that question's about, here's a little throwback to my Orlando show uh, with Governor DeSantis. Disney has lost $41 billion $41 $41 billion in about a month, Donald Duck is wandering the streets of Orlando sucking dick for a hot lunch. <laughs> Hilarious, huh? Uh, will Donald Duck get his job back? I don't know, I don't know. Maybe, could they just give Donald Duck pants? I mean, I think that was part of the problem. Donald Duck for, you know, what is it, 50, 60? How many years is Donald Duck? What? what give me the year that they came up with Donald Duck. It's gotta be 80 years ago at this point, something like that. Uh, Donald Duck's never had pants, you know what I mean? So you've got this duck and he's got the rich uncle and the cousins and the whole thing, and he's not wearing pants. It makes no sense. 1934, that's when Donald Duck debuted. Wow, that that is something. 88 years for Donald Duck, no pants, wild. Grace says, over the weekend, I heard just how much we are spending in Ukraine Why are we doing this with no oversight? Look, I've discussed this several times with Rand Paul. If you didn't see my interview last week that we did on location in DC, check it out. Um, This is how the government works. And until enough Republicans get some balls, and I think maybe now that they've got the house, some balls are starting to descend, um, we will never have answers on any of this stuff. It feels like a giant slush fund, a giant money laundering fund. How could we do this? How can we give billions and billions and billions of dollars to another country. We have no idea what their processes are around this money. Rand Paul tried to get something passed to get some basic receipts. And basically everybody in the house pretty much laughed at him. It's like, we have so many problems here. We also don't have money. Do you understand that? We borrow money from the Chinese to then give to Ukraine and then pay Uh, penalties on that money that we've borrowed in the first place. It's not like we have extra money. What is it that our politicians somehow think they are getting by giving, giving your money that they have to borrow on to Ukraine? It's, it's really, really wild. I don't have any great hope that we'll get uh, any receipts on this stuff, but it's one of the reasons that people hate government. Oh, we have hurricanes here. We have mass destruction here. We have acts of God, whatever it might be. We have urban blight, go to Detroit, whatever. Do we put enough money into that? If we're just saying that these coffers are endless, we never put enough money into that, but we can somehow give money so that Ukraine, you know, Zelensky can do whatever he wants. Gifford says, did you have fun on Gutfeld? Here's a little clip from Gutfeld on Friday. You are near retirement age. (laughs) Are you- You think that that joke would be near retirement age.
0: (laughs) Wow. Wow.
1: That was unnecessary. <laughs> but really? That, no, it was necessary. Yeah, I, I thought so. I deserve it. You see what's happening to you guys? You're New Yorkers, so you're bitching and moaning about nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. We're in Florida now. You don't have to complain about every little thing. don't <laughs> <laughs> no, Yeah, I keep, heard, I can't wait to go outside. And yeah. like, then I'll, then I'll remember i I <laughs> go to <laughs> I go to the green room before, I'm like, what a wonderful day, Hard Rock Hotel, Fox people, everyone's happy, Greg, I have diarrhea. Oh, I know. (laughs) Okay, but what- Keep that New York up north, you hear me? (laughs) So uh, that clip is sort of an example of what I like doing on the show. You know, the way these shows work, uh, well, the way most late night shows work, I should say, would be that they're gonna send the guests the topic, most of them don't do hot topics, but they just plan it all out, right? So when Jimmy Fallon, or Stephen Colbert, one of these other clowns, when they're asking the celebrity a question, it's just all prearranged with the public relations manager, and there's very little spontaneity or anything sort of really interesting happening in the moment there. When we do the Gutfeld show, what happens is that morning, they send the topics to, to my assistant, she sends them over to me, and I glance at them, and I try to get like one kind of funny idea or something silly or every now and again, I'll just go kind of straight up factual if it, if it warrants it. Uh, but I get, trying to get one of those in my head, but what the moments that I really like are the moments like that, when it starts getting loose and breaking up and you can use the crowd a little bit. And one thing, you know, I can give Greg a lot of credit on a lot of fronts and I'm so proud of him and happy for him that he is the king of late night as I predicted on the first ever episode of the Gutfeld show. I said that he would be within six months. I think it only took him three months. Um, But he, he loves it if you throw it back in his face. You can make fun of him. You can hit him. He likes it when it's loose. And that to me is like the really fun part of it. Not, not all TV is that fun. Some of them are just kind of very straight. Some of them are very like, you know, you just get that one moment to say one thing. The The Gutfeld Show is, is a ton of fun. Greg is really a great guy. Uh, Tim says, how has 2022 treated you so far? Uh, well, as we are in the stretch run of 2022, uh, this has truly been one of, if not the best year of my life. Truly. I mean, first off, I have I have two... Young sons, like that's pretty great, right? We got Justin and we got Luke two months later in the day, and life has uh, has changed. I'm definitely a little more tired than I normally would be, and and uh, doing more laundry because people are spitting up on me and all sorts of stuff. But like, it's really been beautiful and wonderful, and and uh, I feel very blessed. Or I can, I think I can speak for both of us that we both feel very blessed for that. Also, you know, look, living here in Florida. Living in a place that is so in line with my values and being an integral part of fighting for that, whether it was doing the show on election night at DeSantis' headquarters or uh, just being part of all of the things that are happening here, and you can just feel it's just good here and it feels good, and that's so in contrast to much of what 2021 was for me, which was being you know locked up and you know fighting with morons on the street about masks and you know my dog wanting to sniff somebody's butt and them. Freaking out because the dogs were getting too close, and it was just uh, it was just a lot of nonsense. It's been a really great year. The the show this is by far our biggest year ever. Um, every month continues to be our best month ever. Um, I think my my coworkers and colleagues are happy, and we're just going to keep building and and uh, keeping the state of Florida free and you know building out our own communities and seeing what happens. Uh, Karina says now that Republicans have the House, do you think Biden will just get out his pen? And executive order, everything. Look, this is one of the biggest problems that we have in government. You guys get the civics 101 stuff. The president is not supposed to sign. He's supposed to sign things into law, but he's not supposed to write the law. One of the things that we've done is we've outsourced so much of the legislative power that Congress and the Senate are supposed to have because they're supposed to be writing up the laws and then the president looks at him. He either signs them or he doesn't. Um, but we've outsourced so much of that to the president himself that you can do this by executive order. And then of course, what happens? The next president comes in right after that. And because it wasn't passed by Congress in the first place, you don't need a legislative action to get rid of it. So if one guy comes in, signs something, the next guy comes in, signs the reverse, the next guy comes in, signs something in the middle, and then the next guy does something completely different. It's a huge problem. It's what we tried to escape, right, by leaving the British empire because we did not wanna be controlled by by a king in that case. And, and in many ways, we seem to want the president to be the king. So I think, yeah, Biden will probably try to do a bit more by executive action, but that really was why it was so important, even though it obviously was not the red wave and that the Republicans didn't get the Senate and you know, a couple of these up in the air uh, gubernatorial seats like Michigan, I would say, and Arizona in particular, Pennsylvania I wasn't as bullish on, but they didn't go red. Um, But by getting the house, you can stop some of the nonsense. Will Biden just do it by pen and will people put up with it? Probably to some degree. Uh, Velda says, has the money in the jar been awarded to some lucky Californian that's ready to jump ship? I don't have any extra cash to put in the jar right now, but we will have to make some decision on that somewhat soon. I'd like to do it. We got to announce that before Christmas so that it's a nice Christmas gift for somebody. But yes, we will get someone out, you know, I had changed it over the year. I was going to say, oh no, we'll just take a Democrat and move them out of Florida, but that's going to be a little more complex to do. So we, we will save someone. I don't know if it, have I officially said that it has to be from Cali? I guess it has to be from, yeah, it has to be from Cali. I'm just willing to save someone. At this point, it could be Michigan, New York, whatever. No, it's someone from Cali. We're just going to give you a bunch of cash. Get your ass out here. I'll take you out to dinner too and uh, live freely. Uh, Veronica says, how much of your decision to move to Florida was about being close to family and raising your boys around their cousins? Uh, so what's really nice is that my sister and my brother-in-law, they live in Miami. They have three kids. Uh, my sister actually gave birth the week after Justin, our first. So we've got a whole bunch of kids here. My brother has three kids. He's up up in New York. My parents split time between New York and Florida. So it was a lot easier to be around the family thing here than it was in Cali. In Cali, we had no family really on either side, you know, with distant cousins and things out there. Um, But that definitely was a part of it. And at the last moment, look, well, you guys know, I wasn't leaving because uh, for taxes or anything else. I was leaving for all the, the crazy reasons of COVID and the lockdowns and Newsom, and I was an enemy of the state. And we tried with the recall and everything else. But then once we started looking at the options and Nashville and Dallas were, it was basically Nashville, Dallas, and then somewhere in Florida, not necessarily Miami. Likely Miami, but somewhere in Florida, and I looked at some houses in Nashville. We looked around Dallas a little bit. Obviously, I do some stuff with the Blaze, and I love Glenn and all those guys. And then Florida, when it had the added bonus of being closer to family, particularly my sister and her kids, and then the fact that my parents are are down here. And you know, I, as I've mentioned, their their place on Sanibel basically was destroyed, but hopefully we'll we'll rebuild. And, uh, and it, yeah, especially when you're having kids to then be around family so that they can have cousins and aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas. It's all good. Uh, LCK, did Ruben Report send Joe a birthday card? Oh, that's right. It was Joe Biden's 80th birthday on Sunday. Uh, don't ask him though. I don't think he knows exactly how old he is. We should have sent him a birthday card. We should have sent him one of those Donald Trump cards. You know, those Donald Trump birthday cards. You open it up. YMCA is playing. Donald Trump wishes you a happy birthday. Maybe I got one of those on my birthday, I'm just saying. Um, no, we did, not, we did not send him a card. Uh, Nate says, hi, Dave. I've been thinking about the election and wondering to what extent the abortion issue may have cost a few Republicans their wins. Outside of my religious conservative bubble, I personally know many libertarian slash conservative leaning people who just aren't on board with an abortion ban and I knew they are not alone. Do you think this one issue might remain a major problem for Republicans? This is a great question and I tried to address it a bunch before the election because on one hand, the women, particularly women, particularly young women that are pro-choice, meaning, again, meaning for abortion, they are rapidly so and they do put it often and many times as the apex at that type to the top of the hierarchy, right, of what they will vote for and if they felt that their lives were going to be directly threatened by potentially states outlawing outright abortion, or maybe with some exceptions, maybe not, et cetera, et cetera, then it does push a whole bunch of them to vote. Now, the counter to that is there are many people, sounds like uh, you yourself, that come from a religious background that do not want abortion at all, and they may have been fired up. So it's a little, the question really is, which base got fired up more? Was it the people who were thrilled that Roe v. Wade got struck down and that it was going back to the states and that was gonna encourage them to vote for more Republicans because Republicans, in this case Trump, by appointing these Supreme Court justices came through on a promise, or was it the people who suddenly felt that their, uh, that their life or their views were threatened? I tend to think it was those guys, right? Because then that gives you the impetus to vote. Boy, I better get back out there and vote for a Gretchen Whitmer or vote for a Gavin Newsom because I really, really think they're coming for me. Again, this is where, and I know I bring everything back to Florida, but this is where a state like Florida has done it so right. 15 weeks, that's three and a half months. That's the cutoff point with some exceptions. And that is within the framework that I've heard DeSantis talk about many times, which is he has his own personal religious beliefs. He's Catholic, his own Catholic beliefs lead him to being pro-life. But he understands that his Catholic beliefs do not dictate the public policy of the state of Florida. So Florida did a compromise, a 15-week compromise, which nobody is fully happy with, right? Because everyone everyone sort of admits 15 weeks is arbitrary, you know, it's arbitrary to some degree. Uh, nobody's, the pro-life people are not thrilled. They're not getting what they want. The pro-choice people are not fully thrilled because they want it to go longer. So that's what compromise is. We're doing it right here in Florida. And of course, we're doing it right. We're doing compromise. In a, in a free red state, as opposed to who are the real radicals? Well, it's the eight and a half month abortion people of California. Uh, but it's a good question. And I tend to think the pro-choice people did get riled up a little bit more than the pro-life people. Um, but whether it really affected the elections is hard to say. Uh, Amy says, after all the results from this last election and people still voting Democrat, how do we take down the liberal media? People are saying the Republicans had no plan, but how would anyone know? Look, this gets to almost everything I talk about. It's like, if we've got all the right ideas, right? Like, why do I not have to scream at you every day when we do the show? I can calmly tell you what I think. You you know, any day some nonsensical breaking news can happen and I can sit here and go through it with you and we we can discuss it and go back and forth and I can look at your comments and you maybe disagree with me. Maybe you agree with me on this or that. Maybe one day you're in full agreement with me, the next day you're disagreeing with everything. But we can, we can all kind of agree that like, you know, I think you probably think this, I've thought most of this stuff through. I'm trying to be a somewhat honest arbiter of what's going on in the news. Uh, the left, because they have so much of the institutional power and the cultural power and the media power and the big tech power, at least for now it's changing because of Elon, um, they've confused a whole bunch of people How is it? Like, I really, I would love to find somebody, and and maybe if you're watching, you can find me somebody, like someone, an influential person in Michigan that really felt, boy, Gretchen Whitmer did a great job during lockdowns and she really deserves another term as governor. Now, clearly there were literally hundreds of thousands into millions of people that felt that, right? I mean, that's how it is, she won. So Gretchen Whitmer, who in my estimation, as a free American and someone that cares about the Constitution and your ability to do what you want and live your life as you see fit. She was sort of the worst of the worst, but she won. Gavin Newsom, the worst of the worst, but he won. That's just reality. Kathy Hochul, but she won. So a certain amount of people are going to be brainwashed. And that's why I I will always focus on that, let's say, 10 percent that can move. And this is a great Well, I'll get get to this in the next question because Caroline is saying, uh, what do you predict will happen for the next seven months between DeSantis and Trump? Well, first off, look, we know Trump has announced, so there's gonna be a lot of energy going towards the Trump thing. There's gonna be a lot of focus on the Trump thing. Does Trump get back on Twitter? What is gonna happen with that? Are they gonna recensor him? Like, does he then get back on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it might be? Like, there's a whole bunch to figure out there. DeSantis, we just don't know. My gut feeling, and I have no insight into this, any, I have no personal insight into this uh, other than just what my gut feeling is, which is he's gonna just keep doing what he's supposed to do. Wouldn't that be the best thing? You know, Trump announced really, really early. Think about it, it's two years till the election. So Trump has a, this two-year window to create chaos, potentially bring on board better people than he brought on last time, because a lot of people thought that that was the deficiency, uh, to keep fighting the machine, to keep talking about drowning, uh, you know, uh, draining the swamp to go out and do the tours, but it's very, very early, and can you sustain that the entire way through? I think he's thinking this is just going to be like this this push all the way through that no one will really challenge him, and he'll just kind of cakewalk his way through it. Um, to me, if I was Desantis, and again, I have no insight into this other than what I'm telling you, if I was Desantis, I would just do what I think is right. I would just keep doing what I've been doing well here in Florida, and then if you're gonna make the choice to run, well, then maybe in, say, six months from now, when it's still a year and a half away from you know the election, like, or you do it even a little bit closer to the Iowa caucus, saying, then you announce you're running and you just say, look, I'm not gonna get into the personal stuff, here's my record, here's what I've done for the state of Florida, here's how I would like to translate that at a national level, and that's what I'm gonna do. So hopefully there, there won't be too much Fighting between them over the next six months or seven months, as you put it, I don't think there will be because I just don't see Desantis. I see no reason for Desantis to make a move at this point. Cine says, "I'm disturbed by the recent talk about removing the DNR from ballots, including with your in, uh, including your talk with Tim Pool, which was great." I know that not every Republican is great, but the odds of them being less tyrannical are very good. What do you think? Uh, so what she's referring to there is that in on Tim Pool's podcast, which I did last week, we were discussing voting and how you know they always put the D and the R next to the candidate's name or the L for the Libertarian Party, whatever it might be. And Tim's argument was that they should just remove that because it, it in essence, it gives too much power to the parties. I think you can actually argue it either way. The argument that I was making in, in that conversation was that generally speaking, it's what you just said right there, Republicans at the moment are just better. Who locked you down? Who forced the mandates? Who wanted to kick your kid out of school? Who wants higher taxes? Who wants to import racism? Who wants to chop kids' genitals off? I could continue. It's the Democrats. So by putting the party affiliation on that, you know, many, many people, you go into these ballots and this happens to me sometimes too, even though I'm usually pretty well versed in what the what the actual issues are. Because sometimes you're voting on issues, you're voting on do you want to put tax dollars to this, that, the other thing. You know, there's all these different things that you're, you're voting on. On top of you may just not know every candidate. Like you go into a presidential, we don't have to do even a midterm one, but you know you go into a voting booth uh, to vote for president. And then you have all sorts of other things going on there. Not only you might have state senators and governors, uh, but there are judges on there, a whole bunch of other things. And you just don't know all of the things, right? You gotta live your life and you just don't know all the things, even if you are pretty well-read and you pay attention to a lot of this stuff. So my argument with Tim basically was, I think you'll leave it there because for the people that roughly know what they think, and hopefully a decent amount of us do, it's like, if I, if I don't know, and I've done this, I. I think I did it on one or two, uh, one or two, was it? trying to remember like exactly what it was. There might've been one or two people here that I did not know on the ballot that I was just like, oh, Republican, I'm gonna do it. And I voted Republican all the way because my general feeling was, yeah, if you don't know, well then my beliefs, the stuff that I talk about here is more in line with what the Republican Party is right now. And that could flip, I suspect it will sometime in my life and then probably flip back. Uh, Jeff says, last question. Jeff says, what are some of your professional and personal goals for 2023? Well, on the professional side, look, this, as, I, as I've said a couple times lately, this has been our biggest year ever. We've never put any money into advertising, but the show continues to grow and grow and grow. We just did this great trip to, to DC. So now we know we have studios that we can use down there. I just wanna keep being a piece of the puzzle of sanity. You know, as some of the censorship stuff ho- hopefully breaks, then what that does is if, if you think of the, the people that are that are confused about the ideas right now, many of them are confused about the ideas because they can't hear the right ideas. Well, now Elon comes in and he starts banging away at that iceberg, right, chipping it off. And then people now are kind of floating in the water and you're able to grab them and, and show them the better ideas. I hope we can draw more people in to the better ideas and and continue to have good important conversations and interview the people that I that I'm interested in and, and find new people that are blazing new trails and building new things. You know, the, the locals rumble situation is just on the up and up and it's and it's going and it's blazing and I'm going to keep trying to help and deal with the the speech policies around that and, and a whole bunch more. Uh, and that we continue to just grow everything we're doing, maybe do some more things on location. We've been discussing maybe doing some live studio audience things. So so a whole bunch on that front and I would say on the personal front Um, it's really just continuing to try to be a good dad, I suppose. Like how much more, uh, would there be than that? You know, just making sure that, uh, you know, that I'm the type of guy when I open up the door in the morning and I see the kids, they give me a smile and, uh, you know, I'll give them some food in exchange for that. Maybe change a diaper and, uh, and then just keep building upon that. I think, I think that would be good enough. But on, on that note, I am very thankful, not only for the, the success that you guys have afforded me and some of the personal things that have happened this year. Uh, but I'm, I'm thankful for the guys in this room and my entire team. I'm thankful for, for everyone that uh, participates at whatever level you do uh, in watching this show. I'm particularly thankful for everyone uh, that plays along in the rubinreport.locals.com community. And I hope on that note that you will enjoy the turkey, the cranberry sauce, the stuffing, the mashed potatoes, the wine the dessert, the apple pie, whatever else it is, the family, the friends, all that good stuff. Take a day, be thankful, and uh, we'll see you soon.
0: My fellow Americans, this coming Thursday, we'll celebrate a holiday that belongs uniquely to our nation, Thanksgiving Day. Millions of us will travel from all parts of the country to gather in family homes, observing the holiday according to long-standing tradition, turkey with all the fixings, pumpkin pie, laughter, the warmth of family love, and, yes, a moment of prayer to give thanks. Yet at the same time, many among us will be less fortunate. And just as Thanksgiving Day has always been an occasion for counting our blessings, so too it's always been a time for making life better among our fellow Americans. In churches and synagogues across the country, for example, food will be collected in the next few days for distribution to the needy or on Thanksgiving Day itself. And with this spirit of Thanksgiving in mind, I thought I'd speak with you for a moment this afternoon about the goodness of the American people and our willingness to give each other a helping hand. The spirit of volunteerism is deeply ingrained in us as a nation. Maybe it has something to do with our history as a frontier land. Those early Americans who gave us Thanksgiving Day itself had to help each other in order to survive, joining together to plant crops, build houses, and raise barns. And perhaps they discovered that in helping others, their own lives were enriched. In our own day, a poll showed most Americans believe that no matter how big government gets, and no matter how many services it provides, it can never take the place of volunteers. In other words, we Americans understand that there are no substitutes for gifts of service given from the heart. In our recent history, there was a time not long ago when this spirit seemed endangered when philanthropy and personal involvement were giving way to bureaucratic plans and federal programs. So when our administration took office, we made it one of our main aims to encourage private sector initiatives to reinvigorate the American tradition of volunteerism. And I have to admit, our success in this area is one of the accomplishments of which I'm most proud. For in the past few years, we've witnessed an unprecedented outpouring of the volunteer spirit a tremendous reassertion of goodwill and neighborliness. But it's good to reflect that here in America, perhaps more than in any other nation on earth, we have a tradition of giving, of neighbor helping neighbor, that makes life better for tens of thousands every day. And for this, too, on Thanksgiving Day, let us give thanks. Until next week, thanks for listening. God bless you.